0: Please take a Bible and open to the book of Hebrews, chapter 13. If you didn't bring one, uh, there should be one in the rack nearby, or if you don't have a Bible of your own, you're welcome to take one and make it yours. really want everybody to have their own copy of God's Word. I was just thinking as we were singing that, how strange those words would sound to somebody who maybe has never really heard the gospel of Jesus before, or um, had it explained. Uh, why would we be singing about blood? It sounds kind of gruesome, really, if you don't know why. Um, and we actually addressed that as a, in our study through Hebrews. It was back in chapter 9, and um, if you want to, you can go on our Website and find the message on Hebrews 9 if that's something that's interesting to you and want to know more about. Uh, Essentially, blood is a symbol in Scripture of a death, a death given as a substitute, a sacrifice where one's life is given for another. And throughout the Old Testament, of course, it was animal sacrifices, but Jesus, our great high priest, gave his life for us. It's his death we're celebrating which also may sound weird, but we're celebrating it because he died our death for us, and then we gain his life, his righteousness through faith in him. So it's, it's what makes us right with God, um, and so that's why, that's why we celebrate that. And This has been quite a journey through this book, which has so much to tell us about the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, why he is so important, why he deserves our very closest attention, our highest loyalty above anyone or anything else, and our, our deepest affection. And so the only, the only right way to live, in God's eyes, is to live life by faith in Jesus, the Son of God. Uh, There is no other way to please God than through faith in his Son. So that's what we've been exploring for quite a while now. Now we're in the final sections of this book and we are being given various practical instructions on what living by faith in Jesus actually looks like in different areas of life. And that's true of our verses today. They describe what faith in Jesus looks like in a certain relationship, the relationship between two kinds of people in a church, church family, the relationship between those who lead and those who are led. And I'll warn you in advance, it's one of those trigger warnings, this passage contains two of the most unpopular words in all of the Bible. To obey and to submit. So let's just get it out there. You might wonder why I, you know, what is, what's that saying? Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Why don't we just skip over this part? Well, because this is for like a Bible church. We love the Bible because of what it is. It is Scripture. That means it ultimately comes from God. All Scripture is God-breathed. Breathed out by God and profitable. That means it's good for us. God gave it to us for our good, not to ruin our lives, but to give us life and joy and peace. And so, because He inspired all of Scripture for our benefit, even the parts we're not... You know, maybe is excited about when we first read them. Uh, we're not going to skip over these words. We want to look at them. We want to do our best to understand them and receive them as good for us, intended by God for good for us, as good for us. But it, it might be worth asking, why don't we like to obey and submit? Why? Why don't we? Well, there's a number of reasons. First, obvious one is we're human. Um, that means we're part of a f- fallen humanity. Humanity is not now as it was originally created to be, a living and joyful relationship with our Creator. Uh, since we rebelled, we have all inherited a natural tendency to distrust authority, all kinds of authority, and ultimately the authority of God. Um, and we need... His grace to overcome that sort of instinctive reaction. We just don't like anybody telling us what to do. We really don't. And if you have a hard time believing that, hang around some toddlers for a while. It starts early. It starts very early. We don't like being told what to do. Unless, of course, we're being told to do exactly what we want to do. Then we're fine with it. So that's a reason. We're also Americans. And that means we've got a long history of challenging authority all the way back to when the colonists rebelled against King George. And I'm not saying whether that was good or bad, I'm just saying it's part of who we are. It's part of being Americans. And then let's, let's be honest, the world is filled with lousy leaders. Lousy leaders, uh, leaders who demonstrate again and again that they are far more committed to their own selfish interests than they are to the interests of those they're supposed to be leading. And we see this in government. We see it in business. We see it in the home. We see it in churches. We see many examples of leaders who abuse their authority (sighs) for personal gain. And then one more reason uh, what the Bible means when it talks about obey and submit is frequently misunderstood. And so we're reacting to actually a misunderstanding. Um, and it's been so misunderstood that we hardly have the patience to even listen to an explanation of what it really means, what the Bible is actually teaching. So you've got lots of reasons, but the fact remains... The fact remains that God's Word calls all believers in Jesus Christ to obey and to submit to various kinds of human authority. And Jesus himself showed us something we must remember. He himself showed us that obedience and submission have absolutely nothing to do with inferiority or with weakness or anything like that. So we need to pray that God's Spirit will overcome our natural resistance, and we need to receive His instruction as good for us. So let's do that right now. Let's ask for His Spirit's work in our hearts as we tackle this. Father in Heaven, we need Your Spirit to be our teacher. We need Your Spirit to uh, soften the hard parts of our hearts, And work your truth into us deeply that we will love it and receive it and follow it. And we pray you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17 through 19. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. It's evident here we're talking about leaders in a church. This is a church context. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things, I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Let's work our way through this by asking some questions. First, what does it mean to obey and submit? Well, to obey is fairly simple. It means to follow instructions. It means to do what the leaders tell you. And in this case, as I said, we are talking about leaders of a church. Now to submit is similar, but submission tends to focus on the attitude behind the action. It's not just being outwardly compliant, because we all know you can be outwardly compliant and be inwardly defiant. So true submission, biblical submission, the kind of submission God's interested in is submission that comes from the heart. It is cultivating within yourself a desire to help your leaders succeed in their responsibilities as leaders. I'll say that again. True submission comes from cultivating within ourselves a desire to help our leaders succeed in their responsibilities as leaders. And it's that desire, and it's how we go about cultivating it, that makes biblical submission a powerful and healthy thing. Because, as we're going to see, it requires having faith in Jesus. It is an expression of believing in Jesus and his authority that enables us to have that kind of desire. And we'll get to more of that in a minute. So when you put them together, submit, obey, like verse 17 does here. To obey and submit to your leaders means to follow their instructions with an attitude of wanting them to succeed at leading the church to faithfully follow Jesus. I'll say that again. To obey and submit to your church leaders means to follow their instructions with an attitude of wanting them to succeed at leading the church to faithfully follow Jesus. So, next question what does it mean to lead? Well, I just mentioned the goal of of leadership, church leadership, leading the church so that it faithfully follows Jesus. What does that actually involve? And this is where we get to the part, the thing that makes biblical leadership different from what we typically see in the world around us. Jesus made it crystal clear that leadership among his people, in his church, it's not mainly about exercising authority, but about fulfilling a responsibility. That is also true in the Christian home. There are big parallels here between what what God's design is for the home and what God's design is for the church. They're both a kind of family and the position of leadership is mainly about fulfilling responsibility, not mainly about exercising authority. So look at Mark 10.42. Jesus called them, his disciples, together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For, now notice this, for even the Son of Man, who's he talking about? Himself. That's a messianic title, Messiah. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That is astounding. So that means that leading in the church is a kind of serving, which makes sense, because that's the purpose of all of our gifts, all of the roles God gives us, is a kind of serving. Leaders serve the best interests of the church by helping members faithfully follow Jesus. So being a church leader means taking that on, taking on that responsibility, Now, that does not mean they don't have any authority. That doesn't mean they don't have the authority to make decisions for the church or give directions to the church. Clearly they do because this passage uses the words obey and submit. But it's important to understand what their authority is for. Their authority empowers their responsibility. If you've ever been given a responsibility with no authority, you know how frustrating that is. You now here, you got this responsibility, but you have absolutely no, no power to carry it out. Well, that no. But the, the power or the authority empowers the responsibility to influence us as a church toward greater obedience to the Lord Jesus. It does not give them the right to use the church to get their own way, to satisfy their own desires, to feed their own egos. So again, this is parallel to God's design for the home. If you go to Ephesians 5 and some other places to see this, but just as Christian husbands, fathers have the responsibility to serve the best interests of their wives. One husband, one wife. Let's be clear. (laughs) I started the sentence with husbands. So, to serve the best interests of their wives and children, just like that, church leaders have the responsibility to serve the best interests of their church members. Likewise, Just as Christian wives and children have a responsibility to cooperate with their husbands and fathers so that they succeed in that responsibility that God has given them, so church members have the responsibility to cooperate with their leaders so they fulfill the responsibility God's given them. And you can see the emphasis on responsibility right here. Leaders are to keep watch as those who will have to give an account. Well, that's a responsibility. And members, members are to let them do this with joy and not with groaning. That is also a responsibility. So notice, different responsibilities. Different responsibilities. This is so important to understand. It is so important to get this. Obedience and submission are not about a difference in worth or value or personal significance. See, that is so often the assumption that people make. It's about a difference in responsibility. That people often assume that if there's leadership, and if there's submission, that must mean that the person who leads, by definition, is more valuable than the person who follows. That is a completely false assumption. So you know that becomes really, really relevant in the home. If if uh, the husband's called to 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 lead, be head of the household. You know, people immediately assume, well, that must mean that the Bible thinks there's something wrong with women, something defective, or what? That is not at all the case. It's a difference in role or responsibility. It's not a difference in value. And I know that. You say, well, how do we know that? Are you just saying that? You're just trying to be, you know? No, we know it's true. We absolutely know it. You know why? Because there is submission, there is leadership, and there is submission. Within God, within the very being of God Himself. God is one God eternally existing in three persons Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and each person shares fully in the divine nature. The Godness. So, whatever it is that makes God God, God the Father has all of it, God the Son has all of it, God the Spirit has all of it. Okay, they share equally in that divine essence. They are equal. But equal does not mean interchangeable or same. That, that, that is a major point of confusion in our culture. To assume that equality means sameness, interchangeability. That is not what it means. And it's not true of God because the persons of God, though they share equally in the divine essence, have different roles or responsibilities. And we know that's true. It's God the Son who came and died on the cross. It was not God the Father. It was not God the Spirit. Look at John 5.22. Here's one example of this distinction and role. Jesus is speaking. He says, For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. So there's a difference in role here with regard to judgment. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. So you see, there's a difference in judgment and there's a difference in sending. The Father has given all judgment to the Son. The Father sent the Son. It's not vice versa. But those differences say nothing about the relative worth or importance of the persons. In fact, notice, we see that right here. God means for us to honor the son just as we honor him see that same honor same no difference in honor no difference in value which means then that the reason that God calls some to lead and others to follow is not because leaders are more valuable than followers You could nod here and that would be, okay. Okay, so what, does it, what is the reason then? Why did God set it up this way? Why does God give some the responsibility to lead like this and others the responsibility to follow like this? Because we immediately assume, well, it's got to be about us. It's got to be something about us. Something about our intrinsic value or worth everything. Well, what if it's not? What if it's not really about us? What if it's mainly about God? And you know what? It is. It is. It's mainly about God. The main reason God set it up this way is to help us understand who he is and how he relates to us and we relate to him. So I mentioned, there's leadership and submission within the very nature of God. So the Father sends the Son. The Son submits to the Father. But this is not at all demeaning or oppressive. It's a beautiful thing. The Father was not being selfish in sending the Son. You know, as if they flipped a coin. And the Father lucked out. That's not it at all. He sent the Son so that the Son would accomplish amazing things in order to display His worth so that we would honor Him. So, Philippians chapter 2 Jesus humbled Himself by becoming obedient. Obedient to whom? To the Father to the point of death, and even death on a cross, therefore God the Father has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what the Father aimed for. That all knees would bow and all tongues would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord for His glory, for His honor. And then why does Jesus submit? Well, He had to. No, that's not why. John 14.31 I do as the Father has commanded me so that, purpose, the world may know that I love the Father. So see, it's a beautiful thing. This leadership and submission within God. So in the church, okay, follow this. Follow this. Our leading and our submitting, this is true in the home also, our leading and submitting are meant to reflect the goodness of God. See, that's what's at stake. We we easily lose sight of that. And we think leading and submitting is all about getting stuff done, right? Well, there's some of that, but that's not the main thing. The main thing in leading and submitting is to display God, display His goodness. Imagine if people could look at how church leaders lead and how church members follow and go, wow, that's cool. That's sure different from what you see in the world. How do you guys manage it? And it gives us an opportunity to tell people about the difference Jesus Christ makes. And He gets the glory. Now there's other reasons why God intends for His church to have leaders who lead like this and followers who follow like this. And one of them does happen to be about us. And the reason is this, it's for our good. It's for our own good. So notice it says leaders are to keep watch. (laughs) What does that mean? Well, you remember the story of the first Christmas? You remember those guys outside of Bethlehem, those shepherds? Remember what they were doing? It says they were keeping watch over their flock. What does that mean? They were looking out for the welfare of the sheep. They were guarding them from harm. They were making sure they didn't wander off as sheep are prone to do and get lost. Well, that's what spiritual shepherds are to do for God's flock. We're told exactly this in 1 Peter chapter 5. Here's Peter. He says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing. See, there's that submission part. Leaders have to submit. Cultivating that willingness as God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Why do we have spiritual shepherds? Because we need spiritual shepherds to look after us, to guard us from harm, to help us not wander off. Well, how do they do that? By teaching us God's truth, reminding us of God's truth, because there are so many clever, persuasive falsehoods out there that we can fall prey to. Satan is an excellent liar. You know what makes a good lie? Sounds like the truth. He's a really good liar. So we need them to teach us. We need them to pray for us. Because we need God's help. We need them to keep us on mission. This is important. It's so easy, isn't it? To get off track with our own agendas, our own selfish pursuits, and lose track of what God's mission is for us. And we need them to be examples for us and show us what it looks like to rely on Christ in every area of life. They're not going to do it perfectly. But help us with examples. Now this is an awesome responsibility. And it says they're going to give an account to God for it. Whoa! Whoa! If you aspire to leadership, this is a place to, you know, slow down and go, whoa, I better think about this. I know I've thought about it. And because it's an awesome responsibility that they're going to give an account to God for, this is why God gives you, if you're not a leader, the responsibility to make their job easier by how well you follow. Do you know what this means? This, this giving an account thing, think about this. Part of that report those leaders are going to give to God one day is going to be about you. At some point, your name's coming up in the conversation. Now, how do you want your leaders to react when your name comes up? Do you want them to smile? Or do you want them to oh, groan? That's the word. I know what I want. I want, when my name comes up, I want those who have led me to be able to say, oh, Lord, He was a joy to lead. He was flexible. He was cooperative. And when He needed correction, He usually accepted it graciously. (laughs) He loved you. He loved other people. It was a pleasure to shepherd him. Now, that's what I want him to say. Is that what they're going to say? Well, it won't be perfect by any means. I hope that's most of it. Okay? I don't want my leaders to hear my name and groan. Oh, Lord, do we really have to talk about him? You don't want that either. You don't want that either. You know why? Because that would be of no advantage to you. That's what it says. See that? It doesn't say that would be of no advantage to them. It said it would be no advantage to you. Helping your leaders succeed is not only good for them, it's good for you. Listen, your welfare is at stake in how well you follow. How do you want that report to go? Because it's going to happen. So this ought to not only be sobering to leaders, this ought to be sobering to all of us. The report is coming. So, how do we lead and follow like this? Well, it's the same answer the book has been giving us all along. In every area of our life, we do it by faith faith in the lord jesus christ remembering all that he has done for us and all that he has promised to do for us so leaders it says are to keep watch as those who will have to give an account that means they've got to believe jesus promise They've got to believe that he's going to examine them and he's going to reward them to the degree that they have relied on him and followed his example as the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Now that promise is implied here, but it's explicit back in 1 Peter 5. We looked at verses 1-3. through After telling elders to be faithful shepherds of God's flock, verse 4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, Jesus, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I don't know what that is. I really don't. But I'm confident it means this. It means that for leaders, Jesus will make all the challenges and all the heartaches of leading worth it if you trust Him and obey Him what about followers okay think about this this is my attempt at logic here if if your leaders giving an account about you with groaning would not be to your advantage then that means those leaders giving an account about you with joy will be to your advantage it will be to your benefit it will be to your joy Which means then that Jesus will make all the challenges and all the heartaches of following worth it. If you trust Him and obey Him. So the same principle applies to both groups. Both leaders and followers have good reason to trust and obey Jesus on this. You can be a good follower even if your leaders aren't leading all that well. Even if they're kind of lousy at it. You can still be a good follower. And leaders can be good leaders even if they're followers, even if the members aren't all that good at following. Even if they're kind of lousy at it. See, because that's not who we're doing it for. Your responsibility is to trust Jesus enough to obey what He tells you no matter what role you're in. No matter what the other guy is doing. See, here's the thing. Every time we... I'm getting off Scripture a little bit, but it's so typical for us when we hear Scripture describe the responsibilities of each role to pay more attention to what the other guy's responsibility is. So you get to the part about husbands and wives. And wives are listening to what their husbands are supposed to do. They're throwing an elbow now and then. Say, you weren't paying attention to the sermon this morning, were you? The Bible says you're supposed to love me as Jesus loved the church. And when the husband's listening, he's listening to what she's supposed to do. And he goes home and says, hey, where's the respect? We We can do the same thing here. We concentrate on what the other guy's supposed to be doing instead of what we're supposed to be doing. Don't do that. Concentrate on what the Lord tells you to do have enough faith to trust Him that He will make it worth it, regardless of what the other person is doing. So let me finish with just a few quick applications for following leaders here at Philida. We don't give a lot of commands. and it Just culturally, that's not how things work. But here are some ways to cooperate. You ready? Here we go. This is going fast. First, choose your leaders carefully. Choose your leaders carefully. Notice in verse 18, the author says, We have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. Make sure that's what your leaders desire to act honorably in all things. The Bible gives very clear qualifications for elders. Our constitution and bylaws make it very clear that those are the guidelines we're to follow. And they're mainly about their character and how they live. Follow them carefully. Take them seriously. Second, make it as easy as you can for your elders to shepherd you. So here at Philida, we have five elders currently. Each elder has a list of members that they are to pray for and to encourage in their walk with the Lord. So when they reach out to you, don't run away. Talk to them. Okay, And if they don't reach out to you, you reach out to them. That'll be a good little you know thing for them. Make it easier. Let them know how things are going. Be honest. If they, give you, if they offer counsel, receive it. Think about it. Now, if you're not yet a member, and Cindy announced that we've got a membership class coming up, is that two weeks, I think? 25th? Tyler will be leading that. You know, if you're fairly new... Or, you know, there might be a problem situation, I don't really want to get into all those things, but, you know, there there can be good reasons for not being a member, but if you're not a member, is your reason a good one? Is it a biblical one in light of what we're reading this morning? It is, I'll just tell you, it is more difficult to shepherd non-members than it is to shepherd members. And the reason for that is because with non-members, they have not given us explicit permission to shepherd them. So, if you're not a member, consider why. Third, when you disagree, talk to your leaders, not about your leaders. Actually, that's true of all of our disagreements as believers. We're to talk to the person, not about the person, but I think it's especially true when we're talking about leaders By all means, share your disagreements with respect, and something everybody needs to remember at all times is there's a difference between pursuing the mission of the church and pursuing our personal preferences. Mission of the church, personal preferences, two different things. Mission of the church always takes precedent over personal preferences. So share your disagreements with respect to the leaders. And finally, pray for your leaders. This is probably the most important one here. Did you notice how the author asked his readers to pray for him, believing that it would make a difference? Is it possible sometimes we don't pray enough because we don't think it's all that effective? Maybe there's a decision our elders are wrestling with. Maybe we don't like the way things are going. And we're more prone to want to talk about it to other people than we are to pray about it with the one who ultimately is in charge. Pray. Please pray for your leaders. Especially at a time like this when there are so many different opinions out there. And some of these opinions are held very strongly Uh, You may have encountered some of that. Pray that God will guide the leaders with His Spirit so we can make wise decisions applying Scripture to an area of life and other areas of life where there is not explicit teaching. Pray. Pray as they are praying for you. Let's do that right now. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for uh, speaking to us and giving us clear direction. Help us, Lord, because um, this is an area it's easy to get. I don't know, confused or uh, struggle with this. So we pray you'd help us by your Spirit. Help our leaders lead as servants, desiring above all things that Jesus Christ would be the head of this church and that would be practical, lived out in every area of our life together, that Jesus is the head, no one else is. And, Lord, that as all of us have opportunity to submit in various ways, Lord, may we, may we value submission as a beautiful Christ-like thing. And will you help us submit well. For your glory, Lord Jesus, and for our good, we pray in, in your name. Amen. Amen.